3: Tonight we will find out the first finalist in this summer's Euros. Will it be Italy or will it be Spain? The Italians have looked the team to beat so far this tournament, but the Spanish know exactly what it takes to reach a major final. Wembley is the venue for a place in the Euro 2020 showpiece. We'll discuss who we think will get there on today's Football Social Daily. Also on the podcast we'll be looking at some of the latest Premier League transfer news as Danny Ings rejects a new Southampton contract and Manchester United up their pursuit of an emerging French star. Plus, with England set to take on Denmark in their European Championship semi-final tomorrow, we take a look at how Gareth Southgate has captured the imagination of the three Lions fans, as well as proving a few wrong along the way too. I'm Nile. welcome along to today's podcast. This is Football Social Daily from Sport Social, keeping your finger on the pulse right throughout the Euros. Hit subscribe and that way you'll never miss an episode of the show again. The Premier League season is fast approaching too and when that starts, you'll have a daily podcast to enjoy from us seven days a week of the latest top flight news and views alongside me for today's episode of football social daily we've got steve mcnaughton how's it going steve yeah hey, you all good boys all good nice one i mean i think you're a bit like me when it comes to being an england fan you're very reluctant to say those three words it's coming
2: home <laughs> yeah def- definitely i've um, maintained that throughout the process and um, I will maintain it until we, we see what happens tomorrow night.
3: <laughs> I haven't said it since the tournament started. I've made a, a concerted effort not to, but I reckon, Steve, you've probably not said it since 98.
2: <laughs> probably, probably probably, somewhat like that. You know, so I think since the second rendition of um, Skinner and Baddiel's <laughs> Three Lions, have <laughs> probably started knocking that on the head.
1: <laughs> We've also got Stefan Armstrong on today's show. How are you, Steph? How am I, mate? Yeah, I'm all right. You know, Both of my teams are out of the Euros, but so I think I found some Danish in my family tree, actually. I was going to say
3: you mysteriously disappeared after Scotland and Germany both got dumped out, and now you come sort of crawling your way back in. Um, what do you make of that? Because we haven't spoken to you since England beat Germany. Um, that was a it was a good game, I thought, and, and England I thought deserved to win. Just from a German perspective, how do you feel about it?
1: Yeah, it, it was a, a game defined by uh, by taking your chances, really, and I don't, Germany didn't. England did. And do you know what? <laughs> They got going against Portugal, Germany, but they, they weren't really at the races for the whole tournament. And the transition uh, from Yogi Low over to Hansi Flick, I think it's already begun. And you can see a lot of those ex-Bayern players who who no longer had a sniff under Flick. Um, at, by instantly thinking, oh, God, it's all over. It's all doom and gloom. You could feel, you could smell it almost. So, yeah, shame about that. And Scotland, hey, I mean, they... they um, They did better than anybody (laughs) thought they would, so yeah, happy days there. They got a point, that's better than none. Exactly, exactly. (laughs) And the way I see it is England deserved to win Euro 2020 because they got a draw against Scotland. So they deserve (laughs) it.
3: Well, those group stages feel like an absolute eternity ago now. And obviously, Scotland and England were in the same group. Um, England are in their semi-final tomorrow against Denmark, which we will touch upon a little bit later. We'll also go into it in more detail on tomorrow's episode of Football Social Daily. So hit subscribe and that way you won't miss that. But tonight, it's the first semi-final at Wembley, Italy versus Spain. We have officially reached the business end of the tournament, the business end of Euro 2020. For me, Steve, and for many other people, Italy have been the standout side in the tournament so far. Do you think they go into this semi-final against Spain as favourites?
2: Yeah, I do. Um, I think that, you know, they've been sensational. And I think from the opening game, you know, when he played Turkey... Um, in Rome and, and spanked them 3 0. You just got a, a sense that something was bubbling away, didn't you? You know, with this Italy team, and they've, they've just entertained. I mean, I think the Austria game was a, was a tough game for them, you know, where they, they, they kind of almost limped through that, didn't they? But, um, I think you know they were sensational against Belgium that first half, and and they're a really good team. And I think they set the bar from the first game in the tournament, and uh, and everyone else has been, you know, trying to emulate that kind of um, football, that energy, that desire, that passion for sure. Um, and I think that you know I think they will get to the final tomorrow tonight, and um, I don't think it'll be. Um, like a 3-0 like they put on a few teams um, I think it'd be quite tight tonight I wouldn't even be surprised if it was penalties You mentioned that Austria
3: game and obviously they beat Belgium in the quarter final. after that so we are going back a couple of matches now but for me it felt like Austria I said so I was watching it with my dad at the time and I said I think Austria are going to run out of steam here and then as soon as it got into extra time Steve they brought on a couple of substitutions and grabbed two goals and that was that you know there was no way Austria were coming back I think Italy look remarkably fit considering the seasons that so many of these top players around Europe have had in terms of there not being much rest time and strange circumstances considering coronavirus and everything else um, I mean it's quite remarkable how Mancini's got them playing
2: oh, it's, it's unbelievable and I, you know I mean when since when have we ever seen an Italy team with that that high press, those energy levels, the, the you know the squad unity um, and and how solid they are as well. I mean, Mancini has done a wonderful job, and we're talking about an Italy team that haven't lost in thirty two games. The last mm-hmm. time Italy got beat was was you know, I think it was September two thousand and eighteen, something mad like that. You know, the last time they they got a defeat. But having said that, Leonardo Spinazzola, who, who's potentially Player of the tournament um, uh, until obviously his injuries, unfortunate injury the other night, will be a big miss because a lot goes down that you know Italian left hand side, and I think you're probably looking at Emerson coming in to replace him potentially, and I think the they won't have that threat, um, so it will be very very interesting.
3: Yeah, you're spot on, Steve. Spinazzola will miss the rest of the Euros and possibly the start of the new season as well. He's ruptured his Achilles tendon. He has had an operation on that, so he will miss the game against Spain tonight. But as you say, 13 wins in a row for Italy now. 32
1: games without defeat. Do you think Spain can crack them, Stefan? Uh, I hope they don't crack them because uh, I hate the way that Spain play football. All this possession nonsense, it just goes on and on and on. It slows the game <laughs> right down. It, it's, 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 it's boring, it's boring. So I hope they don't. Um, but I can see them having the ability to, to nullify um, Italy um, unlike some of the other teams that Italy have played so far in the Euros. That high press isn't really going to work as well um especially that 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 almost counterattacking football that Italy play at times isn't going to work as well um, against Spain as it, as it would against a team like Austria, for example. Um, but I think I think Italy showed uh, in the semi uh, in the um, quarters against Belgium that that they can still play football of old and they can still play that, that defensive game um playing out from the back uh, which will upset Spain a little bit as well. Um, but to crack Italy, you need to score goals. And Spain, although they've had a five-nil win, I don't think I don't. I think everybody would agree actually that they're not they're not out and out you know goal scorers in this team. Murata is suffering somewhat. He's, he's a bit like a gone off yogurt. You know what I mean? Like you fancy him, but it doesn't smell quite right.
3: <laughs> obviously, they've got Moreno as well, who's had a, an unbelievable season for Real in La Liga, and obviously they won the Europa League as well. So. You know, he kind of earned his place in the Spanish team for the Euros. But as you say, Steph, they seem to be good at creating chances and it does take them a while to do it with all this possession. But they've not been so good at finishing them. And you mentioned that 5-0 win earlier in the tournament. That still somewhat feels like a bit of an anomaly. So it's almost now or never for them, isn't it, to find that goal scoring
1: touch against Italy? Because if they don't, they'll be knocked out. Yeah, I'm. I'm just not that excited about the Spain team. I know, I know they've got to the semi final of the Euros, and I'm talking about they're not that exciting. But beating Slovakia five nil, I don't think. I don't think that's you know the, the sign that Spain have, have come and are going to boss it. Uh, they need they need players like Ferran Torres to step up a little bit, uh, and they've got they've got these big players at the back. Uh, the Man City uh, contingency you can you can grab a goal at you know set pieces and that so it it'll, it'll be really interesting but the, the thing with spain is like i found that everybody's talking about um the young lad is it pedri um and i always find in 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 tournaments when when the uh, countries start you know like really bigging up young players who haven't really done anything on the on the main stage yet it's it almost feels a little bit desperate for me do you get what i mean
3: yeah, I, I know what you're saying, but that's interesting because that was going to be my next question. It seems very much that this is a Spanish team with one eye on the future from Luis Enrique, Steve, because as Stefan says, there are some young players in that side that could really kind of explode potentially over the next few seasons. Ferran Torres is one who I think's had a decent first season in the Premier League with Manchester City. And Pedri is another one. And there's a couple of others in that squad as well. So do you think that is the case? You know, with one eye on the future and possible future tournaments for Spain, because even though the skeleton of the squad that got them to the World Cup final and the Euros um, in back to back tournaments, it, it, that's not there anymore. But obviously there are players that are experienced in the Spanish squad that can maybe offer that arm around the shoulder for the young players. So do you think that that's, you know, the vision from Enrique is maybe looking ahead to future tournaments and reaching a semi-final of the Euros is a bit of a bonus?
2: Yeah, definitely. I think you know they'll they'll talk that if you said to Spain before the tournament. You know how does the semi final sound? Sound. I think they have took it all day. Definitely an eye on the future. Um, you know, this is a transitional Spain squad. Obviously, you know, it's without Sergio Ramos in there who's, who's obviously 35 years of age now. Um, and some of the old kind of guard, like you know, your Sergio Busquets, is is I mean he must be like 32, 33, something like that. Um but then and Aspilicueta, obviously as well is 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 into his thirties. But you know, I think you know they, they'll be excited about the likes of Simon. They'll be you know he's a twenty-four year old goalkeeper. Um, you know, Paul Torres, who's partnering Laporte at, at centre back at the minute, and Pedri looks looks unbelievable. You know, Barcelona have got a real talent on the hands, and uh, I'm led to believe are uh, struggling to keep hold of him as well um, at the moment. Um, and then you you know you have to like see your um you know your Fabian Ruiz is from from Napoli and there. and you know Spain are going to come again. It's I agree with Stefan. The possession stuff can be a bit laborious and. Um, they concede goals. I mean, they conceded three against Croatia. You know, uh, they conceded against Poland and Switzerland as well. Um, so you know, for for the twelve goals they scored and scored in the tournament, you know, they're, they're conceding heavily as well. So I think you know, semi-finals is probably where Spain run out of steam. And I think if you'd said that before, they'd have probably accepted that begrudgingly.
3: Yeah, other players like Brahim Diaz and Ansu Fati, just to name two, under the age of twenty one. Didn't make the Spain squad for Euro 2020, so definitely maybe one eye on the future. We touched upon Mancini very, very briefly earlier on, Stefan. Do you think he's underrated as a coach? Obviously, he won the Premier League with Manchester City in what is arguably the most memorable top-flight campaign of all time in England. Obviously, Aguero with that famous 93-20 winner Against Queens Park Rangers, which handed City the title on goal difference, he's probably more famous for that than anything else. And he was a good player in his day, Roberto Mancini. Do you think he's an underrated manager?
1: Um, I think it depends who you talk to. Any Man City player, uh, any Man City fan, sorry, is is gonna hold him as 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 the guy who who nailed it. Um, obviously getting Man City their first title. After Man City, I th- the problem with Man City is it's a bit of a poison chalice if you don't win that, that Champions League. And interestingly, Pep still hasn't got that, but he's he's kind of immune because of what he's done at Barcelona and the respect that he's got in the game. I think Mancini probably doesn't have that respect as a coach that somebody like Guardiola does. But he did great at Man City, getting them that league title. Didn't really do much at Galatasaray. In fact, it's a disaster. Fenerbahce really took over that season. Inter Milan, it didn't really... Click either for him. Um, uh, Inter obviously had to wait um, for Conte to come in to get their their first league title in about ten years, and then he went. Fuck, I don't know. Where he went in Russia. He went somewhere in Russia anyway. Um, so, Zanit was it? Uh, yeah, it might have been Steve. I'm not sure. Um, but anyway, he's what what I'm trying to say is he's had success and he's proved that you know he is a successful manager. Um, but he didn't really kick on from that. So something like a national team job. Um, is, is perfect for him, and I think he's settled into it. And I don't know the stats, but going thirty odd games unbeaten and uh, thirteen in a row with a win and all that it's that that's success. It's it's proof, that it's success. And he seems to bring brought a nice style. Uh, to the way Italy play football. For me, Italy, you know me, Niles, I love the 90s. For me, Italy is, is all about go Lazio and all these all these great, <laughs> you know, hard defensive players and these flair attacking players feeding <laughs> off it and like big henchmen strikers like Christian Bieri and all that. As 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 we've said, um, and I'm sure you've said in the podcast over over the last few weeks, that Italy dynamic has changed, and they can now play two different types of football. So you've got to give him credit for that, and I'm I'm sure that if if Italy get into the final, um, let alone win it, it will be heralded as a as a massive success. So. Um, yeah, you, you've got to give him respect for that, I think. Yeah, goalissimo.
3: That's what we want from Italy tonight. At least that's what a lot of people are hoping for, uh, particularly if they've got them in their work sweepstake, for example. But who would England rather face, Steve? If England beat Denmark, which obviously is no guarantee, the way Denmark have surprised plenty throughout this tournament, it is not going to be easy, much like the Ukraine game. Everyone was saying the same thing before that. If England do beat Denmark and get through to the final, who would they rather face? Who would you rather face as an England
2: fan? <laughs> um, yeah, I think if they can get through the, you know, what will be a tight semi-final against Denmark, I think England the sooner play Spain, um, based on the fact that you know Spain have have conceded five in the tournament so far, um, so they can be got at if you like, and you know they do concede from set pieces, um, whereas it's Italy. Um, uh, have only conceded three, uh, two, I believe. Um, trying to kind of very quickly go through the games again. Um, yeah, I think Italy have only conceded two so far, so they're very miserly. Um, and I think England will will fancy themselves more against Spain, um, than they would do Italy. Italy will be a really difficult game for England, I feel, and um, I think Spain, you've got the beating of Spain on on seven days a week. Italy versus Spain, Euro 2020's first semi final
3: takes place tonight at Wembley. The second is England versus Denmark tomorrow. We will talk about that England game in more detail tomorrow. We'll also talk about Gareth Southgate a little bit later on in the podcast. But stick with us because we're having a short break. And next, we'll be talking about the latest Premier League transfer gossip, including news around Southampton and Manchester United. Welcome back to Football Social Daily from Sports Social. My name's Niall, I've got Steve and Stefan with me and time to take a look at the latest top flight transfer gossip. We're going to do a bit of a rumour wrap on today's Football Social Daily starting with Southampton where Danny Ings has turned down a four-year contract offered to him By Saints, it's the the clearest sign yet that he wants out of St. Mary's. It would have made him the highest ever paid Southampton player, taking him to age 34. That's a long contract to offer someone in the current climate, Stefan, and on top wages as well. Are you surprised he's turned it down or
1: are you not too too shocked by it? He probably wants to play in a more successful team, so I'm not surprised he's turned it down. I'm I'm of the opinion that Danny Ings is Southampton level. I know there's rumors about him going to Man United. I don't think he'd get a game or if he did he'd, he'd play a bit part. He'd, when when United eventually go in Europa League next year, it'll it just play every Thursday. So I I think he's Southampton level. Um I think the, the the atmosphere and the setup works for him. They've kind of built that attacking kind of triangle around him. Um I think he should stay at Southampton, to be honest with you. I don't know where he would move um, for it to go better for him. I'm not sure. Do you think his age has got anything to do with it? He's 28,
3: Steve. And as I say, four year contract uh, would take him to uh, 32. Sorry, I think I said 34 earlier, it would take him to age 32, by which point as a 32 year old, he's probably less likely to get a move away. Does it feel like he's just trying to strike while the iron's hot? Because 34 goals in 67 Premier League games since his return
2: from injury is a great record. He's, he's absolutely doing that. You know, he's just trying to get that kind of probably one one big move, isn't he? Another big move, sorry, um, from Southampton because you don't know what Southampton are going to do next season. You know, they could be in a relegation battle again. They could they could be floating around the top of the bottom half of the league, you know, and... Um, I think that he's had an incredible season, uh, done really well, very unlucky not to go to the Euros with England and I think he'll he'll be watching what is going on at, at Tottenham with real interest um, because if Harry Kane leaves I could see them probably going in for Danny Ings um, to try and fill that, that void if you like um, for a season or two. Um, but yeah I think he's a great professional, he's overcome loads of adversity. Um, I, I get what we're saying about the Southampton level and stuff like that, but I think as, as a professional, he'll want to test himself somewhere. I think Tottenham, if he if would be a potential destination for him. I think Man City want want Harry Kane, don't he? And um, I think Man United might have a look at Harry Kane as well. He seems to be spending quite a bit of cash this summer. Um, But I don't think... Would you
3: have him back at Liverpool, Steve? Obviously, it really didn't work out for him with the injury. But let's just say Origi leaves. And I know it's probably a slightly different style now. But if you give Ings chances, he's shown he can score goals. Would you say, like, as a replacement for Origi, he would be welcome back at Anfield?
2: Yeah, if the price was right. Uh, Definitely. I mean, I don't know what Southampton are going to... Want for him? He's in the last year of his contract. So for me, that that is a twenty-five, tops thirty million fee for him. Um, which which would seem fair. I think if it gets a, if it's late th- late thirties or early forties, it becomes a bit silly then, doesn't it? Um, but he would have to be. Happy with a bit part at Liverpool, you know. Like Steph touched on there, he's not going to break up that that front four really. Um, you know, if he, if he doesn't play for me, you know, he's he's going to play Jota or vice versa. Um, so I think Danny Ings would, would probably find it quite difficult to get games at Liverpool. But great professional, he's the quality that we'd need coming off the bench because that's what cost us last season with when we we had the injuries. Um, he's certainly much better than Divock Origi, even though he's a smaller guy and not as muscular. Um. But yeah, I'd have him in an instant if the deal was right. Isn't that a damning forecast for, for Tottenham, like for next season, that they're potentially
1: going to lose Harry Kane and to replace him? They're going to get Danny Ings in. That, <laughs> yeah. has, that just got you, that, has that not got Europa League football written all over it?
3: Well, they've got the Europa Conference League, haven't they? Not even Europa League. <laughs> uh, the new competition, the third tier of what, European the, football. The, the, the Intertoto Cup. <laughs> yeah, it's basically the equivalent of that. Um, but like you say, he's been linked with Spurs, Steph, and both Manchester clubs. If he's obviously turned down this contract, his view is going somewhere and playing regular football. And this is what Ralph Hasenhurtle was saying when the Premier League season was taking place a few months ago. He was saying he thinks Danny Ings will stay at Southampton because he can be guaranteed first-team football. He's a first name on the team sheet every week. He's starting every game when he's fit. He's a bit of a talisman for us. He knows the club. He's a Southampton fan. All of these things considered led Ralph Hasenhurtle, the manager, to believe that he will stay at the club. So, you know, he's linked with both Manchester clubs and Spurs, but is he is it worth him going unless he does get the guarantee that he's going to be starting every game because if Spurs let's just say do keep hold of Harry Kane by by some miracle, you know, Danny Ings isn't going to get a
1: sniff. Yeah, exactly. Uh if you're if you're a 28-year-old Premier League footballer, you want to be playing week in week out. You do not want to be sat on a bench coming on in the 70th minute every second week. Um because if, if, you, if you don't, if the chances don't fall for you early on, it can go months without scoring a goal. We've seen it so many times with so many players um, in the Premier League history who, who have made moves from slightly smaller clubs to bigger clubs. Crouch, for example, when he went to Liverpool, uh, it took him ages to score a goal. Um, that's that, that's what will happen. So I don't I don't know why I'd do it. I'd, I'd just stay at Southampton and be the main man. Obviously, it's easy for me to say. Sat on my sat on my sofa here in York, about to eat some Cheerios. But uh, <laughs> you, you know you know an ambitious Premier League striker probably wants to go and play with the best, and I completely get that. And if you get the opportunity to, a bit like a bit like um, Brathwaite, who moved to Barcelona, you know if you get yeah. the opportunity to move to a massive club and train with Messi, then. Yeah, I'd be I'd be tempted to do it, but it won't look great in the history books when, you know, you've got some stats next year, played twenty, nineteen off the bench, scored two. You know what I mean? You're just gonna for your next contract, which is realistically gonna be his last contract, um he's not going to get a very good one.
3: I know they say football's tribal, but I'd still rather have you with a belly full of Cheerios down at Fratton Park, Stefan, (laughs) than Danny Ings, that's for sure. He's turned down a four-year deal just down the M27 at St Mary's. That's the news coming out of Southampton today. Interesting to see where his future lies. Is it in the Premier League still with Southampton or is it with another top flight side? Manchester United are a side who have been linked with Danny Ings, but they've also been chasing Raphael Varane and Eduardo Camavinga, two very different players. Players of two very different ages. Varane, of course, is a centre-back. We've spoken of him earlier on this week on the podcast and what he could do at Manchester United if they get their man. Also, Eduardo Camavinga, who is a slightly lesser-known player, but one that's really a bright talent coming out of France. Plays for Stade Rennes, in Ligue and has made his French debut already. Broke into Ligue uh, at the age of 16 is when he made his top-flight French debut. Still so young, one of the brightest emerging talents on the continent. Reports suggest he wants to stay in France, but could leave for around 25 million pounds. Varane could be available for 50. They've already got Sancho for 73 million pounds. Manchester United. Do you think these signings, Steve, would turn United into title contenders next term? Presuming they do manage to get all three of them they've already got Sancho over the line of course
2: uh, no in, in a word um i think that the Cam- camavinga is is definitely one for the future um so i don't think he'd he'd start for man united next season if they did sign him um he's he bags of potential with him he's obviously he's got one france cap hasn't he at the age of 18 uh, he played he played in a friendly for them um i think he's played champions league games as well he's played four, four games in the champions league something like that um He's a, he's a talent um, and he's going to be a big, big player. But at 18, I don't see him starting week in, week out for United. So I think that'll be one for the future. Varane, obviously, he's been at Real Madrid, won everything. Loads of experience, French international. Um, I think he would bring a steal to that back line that, that's been missing. Um, but I think that um, a lot of players go to Man United and and don't make it. Um, I'm thinking most recently, like, you know, Donny van der Beek, um, who is was fantastic at Ajax, you know, when he was playing, uh, you know, alongside Frankie de Jong and um, obviously Matthias de Ligta, um In that, that generation, of the Ajax team, and he's he just, under Solskjaer, has, has been lost at United, um, not had a look in, um, been some bizarre decisions made around him. And I just think that's the only concern, really. And I think that's probably why... I don't believe it would turn them in into legitimate title challengers I think that um the other teams uh, will be ahead of them in that uh, the other three that I'm, that I'm mentioning you know obviously city liverpool and chelsea I think will will probably finish above them still next season with them signings the signing of Varane will definitely make it closer i mean he's class and i feel like he's been playing
1: forever he's 28 years old um he he, he would he would be awesome at the back with Harry Maguire. That would make that'd make things more interesting. Uh in terms of Kamavinga, I'll, I'll be honest with you, the, the only thing I've seen of him is a, an eleven minute YouTube clip of him basically picking up the ball in midfield, taking it around somebody and passing it up. Uh, he he looks like a, an enthusiastic Paul Pogba, um which is what which is what Man United need. Um yeah, sign him brilliant, why not? Uh, see if you can integrate him in the squad and see if he can do something in the next few years, 100% definitely uh, but he won't he won't change the forecast for next season Varane will make things slightly more interesting um, obviously Sancho's there as well so it's looking good for Man United, they're coming good on some of these long-term transfer rumours which you never thought were going to happen um, so that's, that's a worry for the likes of Man City if they don't get their targets like Kane um, but I expect they will. Um, so everybody's going to improve Liverpool as well. So it'll be very similar to this season. I think. I think it'll still be Man City um, kind of on the forefront, and uh, Liverpool and Man United potentially a Chelsea chasing.
3: Kamavinga's one of those players with a year left on his contract, so could sort of go for a cut price. I think teams were quoted at sixty to seventy million last season. Uh, you know, kind of getting a decent, almost half price deal there for Camavinga, for so that's one to keep an eye on. You mentioned the central midfield area for Manchester United, Stefan. Do they need to shake that up? Is that where they need to improve? Um, you say that Varane maybe might make a bigger difference, but at the moment, their central midfield options, Fred, McTominay, Pogba and Matic, and if you kind of go through them with a tooth comb and Look at their strengths and weaknesses. Matic is obviously an experienced player, but he's sort of on the wrong side of 30 now. I think he's 32, coming on to 33. Pogba, people say that he isn't the same player for Manchester United as he is for France, but there's no doubting his quality. And Fred and McTominay are almost a trusted duo in the middle of the park in the big games for Ole Gunnar Solskjaer. So do you think that there needs to be a bit of a shake up there?
1: Oh yeah, definitely. It's not it's not exciting, is it? Um, Fred, some some games I just don't know where he is. Uh, McTominay I just I, I, I just think he's almost a budget replacement for, for a world class midfielder, Matic has is, is kind of had his time now um, and then the, the likes of the squad players like Mata they, 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 they're old and moving on out of contract um, Yeah, an overhaul is needed in that centre midfield um, Man United fans wish they had the reliability of, of a, of a Pog, Paul Pogba who turns up every game um, that would help an awful lot, um, and take that pressure off in the midfield. Uh, but we don't have that, um, so undoubtedly yeah, they, they do need a signing, if not two, in centre midfield. Yeah.
3: Well, I'll tell you where Fred is. He's in the Copper America final um, because Brazil... Is beat, he? Did he make it? Brazil beat Peru 1-0 overnight. Um, you'll be pleased to know, Stefan. So there we go. We might well see him um, winning a trophy for Brazil this summer. Uh, that's the latest for the transfer news in the Premier League. Manchester United and Southampton, top of that agenda. Of course, we have all the latest transfer dealings in the Premier League on our website, sport-social.co.uk. So head over there and check out all 20 of the Premier League teams and the latest transfer gossip Relating to those sides will be on the website that's sport social.co.uk. Time for another short break, and afterwards we'll be talking about England. Gareth Southgate has captured the imagination of England fans again. We'll be discussing the three lines boss next. Hello, welcome back to Football Social Daily. The Daily Euros podcast, I suppose you could say now, because we are in the middle of the tournament. The semi-final stage is upon us. Italy against Spain tonight. We've already discussed that in the first section of the show. And tomorrow, it's England against Denmark. But before we actually talk about the game, which we'll do on tomorrow's show, I wanted to discuss with Stefan and Steve about Gareth Southgate. He's got so many likeable attributes, Steve, got a lot of empathy. He speaks well. He seems to be loved by the press. He seems to be able to deflect uh, from situations and he's not afraid to stand up for what he believes in. So even though he's had a lot of questions, um, he's also gained a lot of fans as well, Gareth Southgate, from the way he's kind of handled things over the time he's been the England manager. The most thing that people question him on is his team selections, when actually over the tournament, they all seem to have paid off. Do you think fans were wrong to question him? Does he know exactly what he's doing or is it understandable why some supporters are looking at the team selection and going, "Well, hang on a sec, you're leaving some of our better players out of the side."
2: Yeah, I think it's I think in the early part of the competition, certainly the group games, I think it was justified because it certainly felt like England were playing with the handbrake on. Um, you know, the the team selections weren't particularly bold. Um, and I think, you know, it would have. I mean, I c I can't remember which game it was. It might have been a Croatia or Scotland game. Um where I thought it was, you know, on paper, I thought it was one of the weakest English teams England teams that he could play. Um but he is just probably had the had the um the thought that if they just kinda of motor through the group stage and, and, and tick over and, and get through it without any massive problems, um he can then start turning up. You know the the, the volume in, in you know the knockout stages which is obviously what he's done um and I just think that he, he has got everything right um I think he's 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 a really nice guy comes across really well doesn't take any nonsense um isn't afraid to make the big calls as we know um you know with some of the selections before the euro certainly around Trent Alexander Arnold and a, a lot of the Pressure he was getting from certain pundits around that, um, I, th- I, you know, I think he's great. I think the England job suits him. Um, I think he comes across really well. Um, I think tactically it'll be interesting to see how he gets on uh, against Italy if they do get in the final, uh, tomorrow night. Um, but yeah, I think he's the right man, right time for the job, and and he is. Um, Promoting a culture of making sure that England go out and, and do what what they're supposed to do. So massive hats off to him. I think if they got beat in the semi-finals, I think that'd still be disappointing. You know, if Denmark put them out tomorrow night. But I think, you know, if they have a close run final with Italy and just don't quite make it, I think a lot of people will still be very, very pleased with Gareth Southgate.
3: Let's be quintessentially English for a second and presume that England do get knocked out and be pessimistic um, against Denmark. What do you think the future holds then for Gareth Southgate? Because some are saying, Stefan, this is England's best ever chance to win a major tournament, at least since the World Cup way back in 1966. If England don't win the tournament and they do get knocked out by Denmark, I mean, I think if you reach the final, it's slightly different because anything can happen. But if England don't reach at least the final, what do you think happens next for Gareth Southgate? Because there are talks of a new contract. The FA absolutely love him. What, What do you think? he will do do you think he'll stick in or do you think he'll walk away is there enough talent there to suggest that the world cup in 2022 is a realistic target yeah it's a fascinating question
1: i guess I guess what the question is is what what is what is the um the long term vision of the fa do they want to um go with longevity and and keep a system in place that seems to have have uh, developed from the kind of short-term manager, Capello era type thing. I feel like there's more of a, a system being built from the youth ranks upwards. He uh, wants everybody playing the same, blah, blah, blah. We've heard it all. It's that Germany model um, from the last 15 to 20 years. If if that's priority, then I think uh, Gareth Southgate um, has to head that because uh, he's he started that project and he'll be best placed to continue that project. And as Steve says... Uh, he's comfortable as an England manager. He's like one of these managers who who seem to thrive as an international manager rather than a coach manager. If you look at the likes of like, I always felt like if you looked like Gus Hiddink, for example, or Dick Advocat, one of these type of people, they're like like, the national team managers, but not everyday in and out uh, club managers. Um, That that kind of lifestyle, I think, suits him uh, more than being the manager of a Middlesbrough Crystal Palace that, that level of premier league um management. So that suits him. Uh, if I was Gareth Southgate I'd be staying in that setup for as long as possible. Um England managers uh, get beheaded by the press and he's got the press on his side. Um so if if he gets knocked out against Denmark I think there'll be some questions asked from the usual pundits who are happy to jump on his back. I mean if you looked at like Alan Shearer straight after the England Scotland game he he was he was stabbing him in the back, really. Um, so there's a lot of pundits out there who are very fickle. Um, I don't think he'll get sacked if they get knocked out. Uh, I think he'll stay on if they get knocked out, and I think probably probably that's the best conclusion for England fans as well. Um, it, it's looking exciting. The next the next World Cups. It's only next year. We've got one year to wait. Um, uh, for another major tournament and the, the DNA of that team's there and if you have a good run in the Euros that's and you've kind of got that competition know-how uh, as you were saying at the beginning it's the business end now England have never done the business end for years and years uh, back to 1990 so that that can only serve them well going into Qatar if uh, they, they stick with the same DNA stick with the same blueprint um, and keep Southgate on
3: And also, you know, in 18 months' time in the Middle East, when that World Cup rolls around, you've got players like Sancho and Foden with 18 months more experience. Players even like Rhys James, who's still exceptionally young. He'll be even more experienced as well. So it does look exciting for the future of England on a tournament level. Alan Shearer, you mentioned him there. He wrote an article in The Athletic um, last week, and he was also asked about it by Gary Lineker on TV, saying... Has he forgiven Southgate for missing that penalty in Euro 96? And he said "Oh, he he forgave him a long time ago. But you can tell when he speaks and when he's asked about it that it still eats away at Gareth Southgate. And he even admitted that's never going to leave him because he still feels bad for what happened because of the teammates he played with. And he almost feels like it was his fault and his responsibility. Um, The reason England didn't get to the Euro 96 final. um, And, you know, for him, that's something that he's going to want to rectify. I mean, you were there, Steve, for that game. You know what the moment felt like. Is he forgiven for Euro 96? Or will that only be the case when England get to the final or win a major tournament? Or is that just, again, like Stefan was saying, a fickle
2: way to look at it? Yeah, it's just of course he's forgiven. He's a, you know he's a human being who you know played in that match for 120 minutes and and, and was really good in that game. Um, you know he, he had you know obviously a few dicey moments which all centre halves have like But you know he he was there's nothing to forgive him about. You know he was one of the, the players brave enough to step up and and have a go at taking a penalty and. Um, yeah, you know, it's never even come into my head before that that Gareth Southgate needs forgiveness for, you know, missing that penalty and and when all this started coming about and Alan Shearer was writing letters in the Athletic and stuff like that, and I was like, I was like, oh, I, I was quite annoyed about it really, um, because I thought it's it's not like a distraction that that they needed at that point in time. I thought just get behind the the, the fella and the squad, you know we don't need to be dragging any of this stuff up or anything like that. Let him concentrate on his job and and the good job that he's doing for England this summer so far. And um yeah, I think it's just Alan Shearer just trying to stay relevant, um, in all honesty. Um and have his um you know, have his name in the papers and online and getting a lot of clicks and stuff like that. Um, you know, maybe we should forgive Alan Shearer for being as dull as he is. Um, you know, because, unforgivable. Jesus Christ. Unforgivable. I, yeah, you know, he's good just... job Marley's not on the podcast. Oh, but yeah. but, but Steve's,
1: <laughs> Steve's so right. He, he brings he brings a toxic element to so many conversations, Alan Shearer. I just, I wish the BBC would scrap him because he, A, he's dull. B, I don't agree with a lot of things he says. Get somebody younger and more relevant on. I mean,
3: Emma Hayes has been amazing. Fantastic. I think, on
1: Fantastic.
3: Absolutely brilliant because she does. I mean, as I, I mean, I do a bit of commentary and what you want from a co-commentator is someone who offers something you didn't see. And too often you see pundits and co-commentators saying exactly what you can see on the TV. You know, I don't need someone to describe to me that the ball hit the post because I can see that with my own two eyes. What I want to know is why it didn't go in. Why did Thomas Muller miss that chance against Germany? Not, oh no, he's missed it. What a chance. I want to know why he's missed it. Was it the pressure? Was it the fact he was running through on goals too straight? These are the things that Emma Hayes offers in punditry and in co-commentary that a lot of other people don't. And I actually think it brings an interesting debate to the forefront of when does a pundit become irrelevant? Now, Alan Shearer, I don't think you can ever say will be irrelevant because he scored a stupid amount of goals and he's the all-time Premier League record goal scorer. So as long as he holds that record, he's always going to be relevant. He's a legend at Newcastle and I don't want to talk him down too much. But certainly you see some pundits that are getting to maybe an older age and the game has changed so much in the time since they've played the game. And I'm not going to name any names, but it just leads me to wonder when their opinion becomes no more important than the normal football fan. Because, you know, a 15 year old football fan who's been watching the Premier League since 2006 or whatever, um, may be more in tune with someone like Frank Lampard or someone like Steven Gerrard or whoever, rather than someone a little bit older who's think, been playing the
1: game years ago. I think it's when you get pundits who always talk about in my time. Um, so somebody like Graham Souness, for example, in my opinion, I know I know Steve is is a Liverpool legend, so on and so forth, but the majority of, of um of uh, post-match analysis or any type of punditry that that, that somebody like Sunes is doing. It's always relating back to his time. I think when you've got to start sentences by saying, in my time, this is what would have happened, you've lost your relevance right there.
3: It's, yeah, it's an interesting debate. Um, I don't know how we've managed to get from Gareth Southgate to a TV punditry, but he was a TV pundit once, Gareth Southgate. I'm glad um, Stefan and Steve have forgiven Gareth Southgate for Euro 96. Um, there's nothing to forgive I've, I've, from Stefan's case. Yeah,
1: nothing, he's, he's, he's a living legend.
3: <laughs> uh, my mum, she said, I'll never forgive that man for what he's done. and <laughs> She still hasn't forgiven him. He's got to a World Cup semi-final, possibly uh, a Euros final if England get through the semi-final against Denmark she still hasn't forgiven him I feel sorry for him <laughs> um, anyway England um, plenty of pre-match talk to come on Football Social Daily tomorrow as they take on Denmark tonight. It's Italy against Spain. We'll look back at that game on tomorrow's show as well. I'm sure we'll have plenty more transfer updates for you as well. Don't forget, Boyle Sports have got a great offer on during the Euros for any England game. And obviously tomorrow's game counts in that as well. It's a £10 no-lose bet on any market. If your first £10 bet... On an England game, loses, you'll get the money refunded into your account as a free bet. So a decent offer over there at Boyle Sports. You can find out the latest at BoyleSports and on the Boyle Sports betting app, Ts and Cs apply, eighteen plus Be That's it for today's Football Social Daily.
1: Cheers Steve, cheers Stefan, where are you going to be taking in the game tonight? Uh in my living room. Um Yeah, <laughs> no, nothing more exciting than that. Before we go, um can we do predictions quickly? go on then okay so I'm predicting it'll be Italy 2-0 uh
2: yeah I'd agree with Stefan on that I think 2-0 is a, is a, is
3: a worthwhile bet oh we'll wait and see we will wait and see that's it for today's episode we'll catch you again tomorrow on Football Social Daily
0: Judy was boring hello then Judy discovered com. it's my little escape now Judy's the life of the party oh baby mama's bringing home the bacon whoa take it easy Judy